The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Ling Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoit with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Welcome into this Thursday edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, JB Plant with you here on this rainy, freezing, snowy, depending on whatever kind of, wherever you are, depends on the weather today, but it's a crazy Thursday. Here in Columbia, welcome in to all of our friends down in Franklin County on WZYX. Appreciate you guys joining us today. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of high school sports. NASCAR coming up in the second hour. All kinds of cool stuff to talk about. So we will get to that in just a moment. We want to ask JP how he's doing right now because he's very frustrated at the headphone amplifier. It is it is not working. Uh, well, it's you know trying to <laughs> do a, a whole lot. Sometimes uh, I need to take a step back. But uh, also um, those that may be listening and wondering where we are on Facebook, we are working on that a little internet. Um, the pipeline's a little clogged this morning, it appear, apparently. So there we'll, are uh, there are a few things that <laughs> we'll, aren't working. We'll, we'll get on uh, we'll get on our Facebook live stream, uh, Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, coming up soon. Uh, but you know, this is a uh, a radio show, so to speak, um, which I know contradicts some other conversations I've had with you. I was about to I'm say sure you're, you're the one who told weird. me. Yeah, no, um, I'm just kidding. but we are. <laughs> but on the you radio. said. <laughs> <laughs> here in Columbia and down in Franklin County, and uh, yeah, shout out to our buddies uh, Jeff and Al and Mister Mister Wiseman WZYX. So appreciate it. And, and Amy and, and all the great folks down there. Great at, folks, uh, a lot of great folks. Mm-hmm. 
We appreciate them. Hey, Mo, how are you this morning? Are you are you doing better? I'm all right. I mean, like I said, we've got a few things that aren't working that are kind of um, impacting productivity here as we try to get up and running. But we're we're going to work through it. We're going to power through it. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, first thing this morning, I'm like, why is Google not working? Oh, well, the Internet's not working. Yeah, that's what I walked into the studio to. What's wrong with Google? It wasn't the Google machine. It was the Internet machine. Yeah. It's okay. And the Internet machine is still. Try the 5G. That's what I did. I Mm. moved over to the 5G, and it worked up like a charm. All right. Like a G. Yeah. All right. Like a G5, not a G6. (laughs) <laughs> so update jp these shoes are gone well yes they're gone they're gone uh my neighbor picked them up off the sidewalk really she looked very confused at yeah. the shoes on the sidewalk uh, but she did pick them up i don't know what she did with them she went to her car after picking them up i'm not sure if she put them in her car or if she took them to her apartment I think or, I think you should knock on her door and say, "Hey, you didn't happen to see a pair of white, white Adidas, Adidas with, with black stripes in the parking lot, did you?" I'll tell you, I was trying to pick out what shoes to wear today, and I thought, you know what, shoes would look really good with this outfit. They would some actually. white Adidas with three black stripes. <laughs> oh, but nonetheless, Anne has them next door, so. Is what it is, I guess. If you were out there and you were wondering if if I got the shoes, I did not get the shoes. Two six eight easy, easy stove. Thank two you. six eight. If you're if you're ever looking for the password here, it's easy stove two six eight on the well, Wi-Fi. Oh, you got to know it's which one it goes uh, to, right? Jeez, we only have six in the building. All right, if you hadn't said anything, if you had just said yes, then we wouldn't have had to go. Well, you do not want to do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do what you got to do. It's amazing. Folks don't realize. I mean, before the internet and that kind of thing, the things that you had to do to submit stories and, and the like. I got stories mm-hmm. for another day. Yeah, obviously. you and me both. Yeah. Well, this is a sports talk show. I guess we can talk sports because you had some news on the website yesterday. Last night. SM T coach. And the darkest hour is just before dawn. And so his assistant, a name that's familiar around these parts, Vince Springer, will be taking over the Warrior Devils baseball program. And ideally Chad will be able to help some on game days. Tonight's schedule as it is currently mm-hmm. on the rundown. This is the Rondo. In girls basketball action from Wednesday night, Lawrence County defeated Franklin County 57-33 in District 8 AAA play. In District 11 AAA, Brentwood avenged an earlier loss to Summit with a 44-41 win in Spring Hill. In boys action on Wednesday night, it was Franklin County 64, Lawrence County 51, and Brentwood in overtime defeated host Summit 56-54. In D2A, District 3, the quarterfinals were played last night. Columbia Academy, a 63-32 winner over Providence Christian. It was CPA 99, Middle Tennessee Christian 40. Uh, BGA got a 56-52 win over Franklin Road Academy. And Webb 
defeated Grace Christian 48-41. Those were all boys' scores, by the way, yes. in the quarterfinal action. In college baseball on Wednesday, Chattanooga State swept visiting Columbia State 7-2 in the opener and 12-1 in the second game in college softball action. Duel, as we currently know it, Columbia Central will host Shelbyville in a eight AAA action. Cullioka will travel to Cornersville. Mount Pleasant goes to Fayetteville. Moore County is at Lincoln County. And Tullahoma hosts Coffee County. Also, Fairview travels to McEwen. Big game in terms of non-district matchups as Richland hosts Summertown. You're talking about three top ten teams out of four there. Um, both the guys and the Summertown girls. So, and Richland's one. girls ain't no slouch. No, they are not. So um, this is a, this is going to be a great ball game, and I hope it gets played. Uh, Santa Fe travels to East Hickman. Hampshire goes to Wayne County, and in Division Two A District Three semifinal girls action, Middle Tennessee Christian travels to Christ Presbyterian, and Webb of Bellbuckle hosts Providence Christian. There you have it. That is your Thursday rundown on Southern Middle Tennessee sports. All right, when we come back from a break, we're going to give you the most updated standings and try to help you understand where these teams could be seated after this weekend. So it's as, be, as we help ourselves. As we help ourselves. It's going to be a, uh, a little bit of a mess. You're, you're going to hear us brainstorm on the air with if-then statements. So should be a lot of fun. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today right after this. Hey, folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Here's Mo and Chris. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mo, the district standings throughout our coverage area are nuts. 
But since we do have our friends down in Franklin County this morning, let's go ahead and start with 8 AAA. What do you say? Girls? Girls. Okay. 8 AAA girls. Uh, can anybody here tell me who the number one seed might be? That's a, it's confusing, I know. <laughs> can I take a guess? You can guess. Yeah, who you got? If I had to guess at the number one seed in District 8 AAA, my guess would be Coffee County. Uh, no. You would be 100% correct. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Coffee County. Uh, and 100% matches their winning percentage in District, in District 8 AAA. AAA. That's correct. That's correct. Um, yeah, so the number one seed does get a double buy. Mm-hmm. A is that double right? buy into the semis. Into the semis. Um, which which means they are automatically a region qualifier. Right. Now, with a seven-team district, the it looks like is, – is it a play-in game to mm-hmm. – who would who would six and seven play? The winner of six, seven will play three. One and two actually Get gets double buys into the semis. So six, seven is your play-in game. Four will play five in a quarterfinal. Three will play. Um, three will play the winner of six seven. All right. So let me tell you how this is going to work then. All right. Then. Tonight's Columbia Shelbyville game determines which of those two teams will be in the play-in game against Franklin against County. Lawrence County. Franklin oh. County. Franklin County girls are over. Yeah. So they're in the play-in game. That's correct. So I'm sorry. Yes, the the loser of Columbia. No, Mo, you heard correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. The loser of Columbia Shelbyville tonight will play Franklin County in the playing game to, to play, play Lawrence, Lawrence County. County. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I was trying to get out. Okay, I, don't, I, don't I jump your steps. Dude. I skipped a step. Don't yes, skip steps. Yeah, you did. Don't you can't skip steps. <laughs> Clearly. All right. So once we get. Uh, if Columbia wins tonight, they will play Lincoln County, who is uh, five and seven. Now, here's here's the kicker: mm-hmm. if Columbia wins tonight, they are tied for fourth mm-hmm. with Lincoln County. They have beaten Lincoln County twice, I believe. Let me go look and make sure. Well, that's a big belief because if they have beaten, nah, Lincoln, they split. They- so I guess we'd have a coin flip to see who's the winner. Or, Would you? They're, they'd both be five and seven. They'd both be five and seven, but what did they do against Tullahoma and Lawrence County? Uh, Tullahoma has two losses. Both to Coffee County, I would presume. Both to Coffee County. Obviously, Columbia beat Lawrence County once. Uh, my, what did Lincoln County do against Lawrence County? My guess is they lost. They, they lost both. So I guess Columbia would get the home game then. There you go. Columbia would get the home game. If they win tonight. If they win tonight, they will host Lincoln County. As the four seat. Mm-hmm. Coffee County, Tullahoma gets a bye. Then Lawrence County awaits the winner of the play-in game. Mm-hmm. And then the winners of that will be in the semifinals against Coffee County and Tullahoma. Right. We say we move into Class A and we'll get into what district is Huntland in? Huntland is in 8A. They are 8A A and they are... It appears to be they out. They are the district champion. They are nine and one in district play. They will play the winner of a play-in game between Cascade and Cornersville. I, I 
It's a six-team district. It's a so. six-team district. So my guess is one and two get a bye. Three will play six. Four will play five. Okay, so that makes sense. I'm thinking that Huntland is going to play the four-five winner, which would be Fayetteville and Cascade. And I'm shocked that Fayetteville is four and six in that district. I've seen them a couple of times. They're pretty good. They've got the um, big kid that's an Arkansas Little Rock signee. They've got some nice perimeter play around her. Um, although I did see Eagle. I was going to say Eagle was pretty good. Yeah, too. they're pretty good as well. So, okay. But yeah, so Huntland should play the Fayetteville Cascade winner. Um, Eagleville in the number two spot would play the. Um, Moore County Cornersville winner. Cornersville coming in winless in district play and one in eighteen overall. So you would think that would be the Lady Raiders. Most likely. Most likely. Yeah. You were talking earlier about Richland's girls. They are undefeated in ten A. Not a shock. Not not shocking at all. Um they will play the play-in winner of Mount Pleasant Santa Fe. Yeah, they had their seating meeting yesterday, actually. That's correct. So, um, as the undefeated number one team, I, I think that was a pretty easy seed to come up with. This this um, district has been pretty cut and dry throughout. Um, like you said, Richland, the number one seed. Hampshire, number two. Six and two in district play, obviously, both losses to Richland. Kalioka is um, the number three, and then Mount Pleasant and Santa Fe, four and five, and they have split with each other during the regular season. So those two will play a play-in game. Um, hang on. And I cannot find the bracket that I was sent. From Clayton? Oh, that one. I mean, that's just as good as any other you're right. that we have. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> um, I have it here, and it looks like they're going to play the play-in game on uh, February 15th. That's Which Monday. will be Monday, yeah. So Santa Fe will host Mount Pleasant girls on Monday with the winner playing Richland on Thursday. Is that right? Thursday the 18th? Correct. Okay. Championship on Saturday. And, um, and consolation. And Hampshire and Cullioca will play in that other semifinal on Thursday at Hampshire. That's Thursday week, a week from today. Now, Santa Fe did win the, I guess they won the the coin toss for the girls because they will actually host Mount Pleasant Mm. as the four seed. Good catch. Yep. Uh, So Santa Fe will host Mount Pleasant on Monday. Santa Fe is 1-14 on the year, but very winnable game. Yeah, them. yeah. Um, and because... I, I feel like they may be a little bit more polished offensively with Emmy Bates. They've got everybody back. They have really been impeded by the pandemic. They've had, and we've talked about this a lot, so sorry if it sounds redundant, but they've had some starts and stops that I think have really kind of... Um, Slowed them down a little bit, kind of impeded their progress. But, that's correct. But, that that's been their biggest issue this year is just inconsistency among have, who's on the team that week. Well, and, and getting on the floor, <laughs> and can they can can they get on the floor? It's just been a tough year for the Lady Wildcats. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, and in girls play in the uh, eleven AAA, which is nuts right now, man. <laughs> And this is the first time I've really looked at it's these nuts. standings, and it's really 
haves and have nots when you look at it you've got three teams that are that have double digit wins in district play and it's and it's nuts i mean the whole thing you're looking at three teams within a half game of each other at the top and you can guarantee that well, i say guarantee you can pretty much bet that Spring Hill's going to have double-digit wins because they still have three games left, Independence, Ravenwood, and Franklin. And they get to play Independence, which is 1-11 in district play. So it's likely they'll reach double-digit wins as well. And it looks as if Spring Hill's reward for that will likely be a quarterfinal game against Ravenwood, with whom they've split, I believe. So... You know, for all of the good work that Spring Hill did uh, early in the year. I guess that depends on Summit. Summit's got Page, Ravenwood, and Dixon County left, and Spring Hill swept Summit. So if they end up tied, Spring Hill can move into that three spot. So it, this one, there's still three district games left. There's nothing we can tell you that's going to be definite. <laughs> what we can tell you is that it's top well, who does heavy. Brentwood have left? Brentwood has Centennial and Independence. So let's say they're the district champion. So we can tell champion. you that they are number one. They're the district champion. <laughs> because, again, as Chris said, Independence is 1-11 in district play. Centennial is 0-9. So I, I can pretty well tell you that Brentwood's going to be the number one seed. Now, here is a an interesting uh, situation. Independence, who is 1-11, has Spring Hill and... Brentwood left. Mm-hmm. Franklin County has Dixon. Franklin. I'm sorry. Franklin and Dixon <laughs> County has Dixon County and Spring Hill left. Both of those teams are one have one win each. Um, it's a little. I'm not well. Okay, I say that, but I don't have a final score for that. The last Independence Franklin game. So I'm guessing Franklin swept Independence on the in district oh, play. I wonder if they've played. They have. Both games. They they did. Okay. So yeah, it's uh eleven triple A is a mess. But it is very top heavy, like you said. Brentwood at eleven and two in district play. Page eleven and three. Summit ten and three after that forty four forty one loss last night to Brentwood and Spring Hill at nine and four. Then you get a little separation with Ravenwood at seven and five in the district. The five right now they would be the five seed. Dixon County would be six at five and nine, and then Franklin Independence and Centennial, like you said. The at the Lady Admirals uh, one and nine, Indy one and eleven, and Centennial zero oh and nine. So Spring Hill got a shot at that number three seed after I think they. I'm pretty sure they played in the play-in last year. They did. Heck of a year for for the Lady Raiders, even though they have kind of slid a little bit here over the second wave of district play. Yeah, they, they're 2-4 and four after starting 7-0 and oh in district play. So, that's not what you want to see. But uh, again, very dangerous team, particularly offensively with, with the big three that we've talked so often about of um, Cole Alderson and the Stedman sisters, Prairie and Sierra. Sierra, our reigning player of the week after averaging 29.5 points in two games last week. That's correct. Uh, boys side cat in in eight A is Cascade, Moore County, Eagleville, and Fayetteville split. So I don't, I haven't heard of any um, 
haven't heard of anything that would tell us who will be there uh, because Eagleville and Fayetteville, who are both six and four, split with each other, but also both split with Moore County. So I guess it's going to go to a coin flip. Uh, so there you go. Uh, uh, and well, depending on who beat Cascade, I believe Cascade split with Moore County. Moore County. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they did so. I think that's uh, that that's going to come down to a coin flip there. In ten A, it's Richland and everybody else. Cullioca Santa Fe that we talked about yesterday. Cullioca lost the coin toss, so Santa Fe will host Cullioca. Richland will host the winner of the playing game, Mount Pleasant and Hampshire. In eleven triple A, eleven triple A, there's a again several games remaining. For at least one or two for everybody, so. But it, it really but Franklin, feels like Franklin and everybody else. That's correct. That one is is Franklin's. In uh, eight AAA, Columbia is the district champion. Let's drop back to eleven okay. AAA for just a second because Independence two and O since Jeff Parker took over, and they are right now. And again, there are still games out there to be played, but right now they are a game and a half behind Page for the number four seed, which would get them a quarterfinal home game. And they are a half a game ahead of Centennial. So these next couple of games for Independence looming pretty large. They play Spring Hill tomorrow night and then at they, Spring Hill. And then they get Brentwood. Uh, Page has only Summit left, and so that could be. I mean, it, it could throw a wrench in some things, like you said. Uh, Summit looking to maybe play a little spoiler. spoiler. Hmm. Hmm. So, and they could start that with that Page game. So, and in Independence, they've got against winless in district play Spring Hill, and uh, they have Brentwood left. So. A win over Brentwood would certainly would probably put them into that four spot. Mm-hmm. So, certainly some things to keep an eye on in that district. And it appears that uh, Kalioka is playing at Cornersville tonight for sure, and they're going to tip an hour earlier, according uh, to yeah. Clayton, Clayton Harris. Harris. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Five o'clock girls tip rather than six. So. All right, boys, eight triple A is also very tight, uh, but I believe it's it's Columbia at the top. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Lincoln County and Coffee County and well, Tullahoma, all with five losses. And Lincoln County's done. Lincoln County is done. Uh, Coffee S- County and has Tullahoma, so the winner of... So they play each other? That's correct. So, so the winner of that game is going to be tied with Lincoln County for the number two spot. Correct. And... Lincoln County has beaten Franklin County. I'm sorry. They've beaten, lost to Coffee County, beat Tullahoma, beat Coffee County, and they've split with both. Now, so that's Tull- a three way tie, right? Now, now should, should, should Tullahoma beat Coffee County and get into a two way tie with Lincoln County, Tullahoma beat Columbia. That's correct. Uh, well, it would be a three way tie between Lincoln County, Coffee County, and Tullahoma. No, because right. the Coffee County Tullahoma right. loser is going to have six, six losses. losses. You're right. Yeah. right. So Lincoln County Tullahoma or Coffee County, one of those 
three will be in a two-way tie. Like you said, um, if Tullahoma was to get into that two-way tie, they would be the two seed, and they would get that extra buy. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lawrence County is definitely – are they? Yeah, they're done. Yeah. Lawrence County's done. Franklin County's done. Shovel Uh, Shovel plays plays here tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, With a win, Shovel could force a coin flip for home court against Franklin Franklin County. County. Yeah. Uh, but Franklin County does look. They they have the, they are four and eight and uh, looking as if they will host that play in game against Shelbyville, which I believe is also on Saturday. Uh, they actually right, they actually swept Franklin County. So in the event Shelbyville swept in the, Franklin County in the event that they beat Columbia, Shelbyville would certainly host. In the event that they beat Columbia, which is on an eight game win streak. Yeah, I don't see that happening. But stranger things and. 2021 stranger things so <laughs> here we are all right that the only sure thing is there is no sure thing that's exactly right yeah. all right i think that gets you all caught up if you could you know get your pen and paper out and write all that down if if you wrote all of that down take send a it back e- to us <laughs> take a picture and email it <laughs> if you don't mind so that we don't have to re-listen to all of this oh yeah. gosh because i think i think we Figure some stuff out. We'll just work it out tomorrow when uh, there are meetings. <laughs> well, we won't be working it out at that point. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just we'll just check out the brackets mm-hmm. when they're finished with them. Tomorrow. There we go. Here we go. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about one of tonight's big games that we believe is still on Richland and Summertown. And then, of course, Shelbyville and Columbia Central. We'll be right back. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. Welcome back in. 13 minutes to the top of the 10 o'clock hour as we come to you live from the TriStar Sports Radio headquarters on West 7th in Columbia, Tennessee. Welcome into our friends down at WZYX in Franklin County. Appreciate you guys listening, hanging out here, talking high school hoops. And everything else, some wrestling this weekend too. Tomorrow, got uh, individual. Mm-hmm. The Region Seven AAA individual tournament starts tomorrow at Independence. Um, wrestling is scheduled to begin in quotes at five o'clock Friday at uh, five thirty. Excuse me. Scheduled. Yeah, scheduled to begin at five thirty on Friday, and then we'll resume at ten o'clock on Saturday. Championship rounds will be at around four o'clock on Saturday, and 
slight change in that only the top two individuals will advance to the state tournament because you're going to have a 16-man bracket for Class AAA at the Chattanooga Convention Center a week from Saturday. Meanwhile, Columbia, I believe, is sending four guys to the Region 5 tournament over at Warren County. That'll be a one-day event. It's all on Saturday. Um, and they are sending Tay Kofer at 152, Nathan Neely at 160, Jeremy Benderman at 170, and Jalen McCoy at 220. And again, the top two region placers will be advancing to state tournament action in Class AAA. Now, the pandemic limitations this year. We we may have. I don't know. Do do we have any um, any idea about our Franklin County friends? I know they're in that same region. If. I do not know who advanced from Franklin County because they what they did was apparently they wrestled district tournaments to get the field down for the region and I'm assuming that the top and you know what happens when you assume but my guess is that the top 4 district placers advanced into a 8 man region bracket so and I I don't know. I know Al was talking about them hosting the district tournament um, when we had him on a couple of weeks ago. But I'm not sure how the Franklin County um, individuals came out in that. So Well, I'm looking at whatever I can find, which is not much. Mm-hmm. Um, because unfortunately... I don't have a um I don't have a subscription to track to track wrestling. I don't know that you necessarily need one. Let me see what I can find here. Cuz oh, I don't have one. I mean I'm in the the 5 AAA region here but it doesn't really give me They may not have brackets up yet. Yeah, I, when I see brackets and I mean they may, I don't I don't know. They they do but I guess I'd have to go through every single one mm-hmm. of them to get there. All all fourteen. Well, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds real easy. I mean, you know, until you try to do it, super super easy. No no real issues there at all, right? I mean, so this region includes Oakland and Tullahoma, mm-hmm. some very Blackman. Blackman Riverdale serious wrestling mm-hmm. programs here and I mean completely understandable that that uh you know it, if you don't have any qualifiers it's probably because it has nothing to do with any uh, Parker Thompson 170 is 10 and 4 from Franklin from Franklin County, County. Cool. he will take on Gibson Frost of Riverdale uh, he's at the top of the bracket. I don't know what that means, if anything. If he's at the top of the bracket, he's yeah. probably the number one seed. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Parker Thompson, 170, 10 and 4 on the year, has a 9 next to it. Is that a pins? No, he's the number 9 seed. No, like. well, no, no. no. He may be a freshman. Ah, that's what it is. He's a freshman. That's exactly what it is. Look at there. 
figuring it out on the air. Uh, Matthew Ratcliffe is also a freshman. He is in match three against Gabe Hopkins of Cookville. What weight or, class is that? There's uh, 182. Okay. So they got some big guys through then, Franklin County. That's did. what it looks like. It looks like they're, they're big fellas. They're on 170, 182. And, and that could be one, could be some football guys. Two, you know, for programs that are building, filling those smaller weights sometimes is a little tougher because you've got a lot more guys just walking around the building at, you know, 150, 160, 170 than you do at 106, 113, 120. Especially those who would care about being an athlete. Uh, Zech, Zech, Z-E-C-H, Zech Swigger, S-W-I-G-E-R, or Swiger? Swiger, I would bet. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Swiger, no swagging? No swiping? I don't <laughs> Nice. Taking Swag on, swag off. <laughs> he is a uh, 220. Mm. Nine and five on the year. We'll take on Titus Kirby Reach out of Blackman. I think I, I, think I recognize that name from football. Do I not? Zach Swiger? Uh, I recognize it from something, and, and that, that may be where it is. But, yes, mm-hmm. Swiger, I, I've heard that, and so probably is football. So, yeah, they, they've got some qualifiers down there in Franklin County as well. So congratulations to those three young men. At least. In the regions yeah. uh, who will get a chance to make it to state. Wish them luck as they head over to McMinnville on Saturday. <laughs> we wish anybody going to McMinnville luck. <laughs> I've, the one time I went there, I, I was so lost. Because <laughs> it, it takes you on some weird back roads, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you get out there and there's like one dollar general and then you turn on this random road and you're in like downtown where there's a restaurant that's about as big as this room um and a hardware store across the street and uh, i know that because i had to go to the hardware store uh in order to get i needed to i needed a bolt for my speaker stand so, oh you were down there in your wedding dj capacity yeah yeah okay, yeah so, okay. anyway. Tell, tell the listeners, Chris, your nickname for Dollar General. Oh, <laughs> Walmart of the Woods. I like that it. That is what Dollar General <laughs> is. It's Walmart of the Woods. You live in the woods, and you don't get Walmart. You get Dollar General, and you get four of them, Yeah, which is really nice. In most cases, much more convenient than probably <laughs> way, any Walmart. Uh, oh, way, yeah. Way more convenient. Well, if you're in the woods, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're in and the city, still more. Con- I mean, the lines are yeah. much shorter at the cashier stand. A little crowded at Walmart, you got to go through traffic. You pay a little bit more sometimes, but it's totally worth it at the Dollar General. Yeah, just a little bit, unless you're getting the Clover Valley brand. That's quite the conundrum, is it not? <laughs> Isn't it though? Uh, I mean, you you might pay a little more because they got to get it to the woods mm-hmm. <laughs> and ship it there, but otherwise, it's it's definitely. Better, more convenient. I would much rather shop at Dollar General than Walmart. Certainly. Anyway, plenty more options. If if not, there's it's still better. it feel it feels that way that it there does. are more Dollar General stores than Walmart's. The only issue that you, I mean, if you're grocery shopping at a Dollar General, don't you're not going to get anything cold, like because they just don't have a big freezer section. But other than that, pretty well uh, can take care of you. Before we get out of here, we do want to discuss. Let's that. talk about it. That Summertown at Richland matchup that um, 
we hope takes place tonight. We know Lawrence County is out of school this week uh, today. Um, I believe Giles County classes are in session, but um, you know, on the girls' side, Summertown is ranked number two in the state. They are twenty-one and three overall. Richland's girls are fourteen and four, but they have won a bunch of games in a row. Three, six. They are on an eleven-game win streak. Obviously, they finished the district with an 8-0 record. And so I, I think this is a great opportunity for both these teams to get a test before they get into postseason play when, you know, for the most part, well, Richland has run through their district and Summertown, with the exception of Loretto, has has not really been pushed in district play. Uh, I so, mean, the two games they played against Loretto, they really weren't pushed in those either. I uh, mean, outside of the first quarter – or. The, Middle of the second quarter at Loretto, when it was tied sixteen sixteen, then it was twenty two to two run. Well, so. I'm, I'm I'm trying to give Loretto <laughs> the respect that the number six spot in the top ten deserves. And, and I'm just saying that's how good Summertown has been is they've been dominant over very good teams. Right, right. So, um, again, looking forward to that one. Hoping it gets played. Um, on the boys' side, Richland comes in. They are the number three team in the AP Top Ten. And I am trying to scroll down to see their record. They are 19-1. and one, one, yeah. And their one loss was to Riverdale. Triple-A, Riverdale. Yeah. Just so, FYI. Yeah, FYI. Summertown, um, come on. They're ranked fifth, right? They are ranked fifth. Fifth, and they are yeah. fifteen and three, something like that. I can't tell because my computer won't scroll. Well, there's that. Yeah. Other than that, um, and they have split with, with Loretta and Perry County, who didn't receive enough votes in the the poll this week to be considered receiving votes, which is a little surprising to me. Perry County's good. I'm not going to get into that. Perry County, Perry County, when because they will definitely make the region. Mm-hmm. They will, they they will make some noise in this in, in the tournament. Let's It'll, just put it that way. Yeah, they will be in all likelihood the the three seed. They are the three seed, and they will play at Summertown in the semifinals, which will be a great game. Either one, I'm telling mm-hmm. you that District Twelve A boys. Boys is going to be fun to watch. Summertown eighteen and six overall. Gotcha. Okay. So um their only two losses since Christmas. They lost at Columbia Academy. I'm sorry, their only three losses since Christmas. They lost at Columbia Academy eighty three seventy two. They lost at Perry County fifty seven fifty five. And they lost at Loretto sixty four fifty three in overtime. There you go. All right, that game is tonight at Richland. Uh, we will let you know if anything changes at this point. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stay tuned. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Welcome back in. It is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, J.P. Plant with you. We are definitely excited about the second hour today as... We have a great guest talking a little NASCAR. We've got the Mr. and Miss Basketball finalists who were announced just moments ago. So mm-hmm. we will talk about that a little bit later this hour as well. Really interested to to see how um, how this week plays out in NASCAR. Got a lot to to unpack. If you want to join the conversation, please feel free to do so. We are on Facebook Live. Just search Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, and you can see our live video there. We would love to have your input and comments because it's going to be a uh, a really interesting conversation on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline as we bring in Heather Williams from WCYB-TV in Bristol. And the last time we spoke to Heather, there was some big news out of the Toyota camp and Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan and all kinds of great stuff. So now we get to see all of that in action as uh, Bubba Wallace qualified fourth. Daryl Wallace Jr. Daryl Wallace Jr. <laughs> D. Wallace Jr. D. Wallace Jr., yeah. Uh, qualified fourth for the Daytona 500, the Super Bowl of NASCAR. Heather, welcome in. Excited to have you with us. Excited to be here. And uh, he was actually fastest in the uh, only practice that they had before qualifying on Wednesday. Now, qualifying for the Daytona 500 is a little bit different than other races. So while he qualified fourth, he may not start fourth because they run the dual races tonight under the lights that will set the line out up, line up outside of the top two qualifiers. But he will start on the outside of the second qualifying race tonight so he still has an outstanding chance to get a good starting position for the 500 if he can just stay out of trouble in this qualifying race so theoretically then he could start third um no fourth is the highest he could qualify because what they do is they take the two qualifying races and the top finisher whoever wins the the first race will start third whoever wins the second race will start fourth so since he's in the second race and they just alternate back and forth so okay. since he's in the second race, fourth is the highest he can qualify. Okay. All right. But he can qualify lower. Ouch. He can uh, qualify lower, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just showing my stock car racing 
novice status, and I'm okay with that. Um, well, it's very complicated, and it's the only race of the year that they do it this way, but it does make Speed Week a little bit more interesting. It makes Speed Week so much more fun. It really <laughs> Unless does. you're a driver. Unless well, you're a driver. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah. I, I have, I, I have, they, nobody has been shy on this show of telling me that what I find fun and interesting isn't always fun and interesting to a lot of people, but it is to me as an as a spectator of everything. We we have dubbed Chris Captain Chaos, Heather, and anybody that's listened to <laughs> the show for any period of time would would understand and appreciate that it's it's well deserved. <laughs> I might resemble that remark sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been known to cause a little chaos myself. But, well, yeah. but it makes it interesting, right? Oh, no doubt. Chris doesn't just cause it, though. He appreciates it when it exists elsewhere. But he was a, <laughs> he was a little bothered this morning when he was looking at the list of qualifiers <laughs> and could not find Bubba Wallace, but <laughs> did find D. Wallace Jr. And so it was like, oh, wait a minute. That's him. Yeah, that's the name his mama gave him. But, there you go. Um, but you and I could call him Bubba. And yeah, I think he actually prefers being called Bubba. What's really interesting about his team is, uh, you know, bringing on Jordan has kind of sparked, you know, other big names. I don't know if you have heard the news over the last month or so, but Pitbull now also owns a NASCAR team uh, being driven by uh, Daniel Suarez. And I think they had a pretty good qualifying run, if I remember right, for a, for a new team as well. So, Seeing these new faces, these diverse faces uh, in NASCAR could be really fun this year. Well, and and I would think in a sport where diversity has not necessarily been a positive from a perception standpoint, I, I, I would think that that's that's got to play a be a factor in terms of getting more eyes on it and that kind of thing. I'd, I'd like to think that that's a good thing, even if it hasn't necessarily always been viewed as such. I think so. And I think the sport has tried, but you know, sometimes these things just have to develop naturally, right? You can't force them. And even though uh, Bubba and Daniel Suarez and Kyle Larson for that matter, and Eric Almarola came up through diversity programs in NASCAR, getting diversity on the level beyond driver and crew has been very difficult um, there's been a few. Uh, obviously, Brad Doherty owns a team currently, JTG Doherty Racing. And then Randy Moss owned a truck team years ago. But, you know, it's not as, it just happens in all sports, right? It happens in the NFL, happens in the NBA, baseball. Getting diverse members in the higher up will then trickle down and cause diversity throughout. And so I think by adding Jordan and adding Pitbull, and they both have diverse drivers driving for them, I think it can only help the sport. I, I, I don't think there is a more natural um, setup when you think about it than Randy Moss and, and stock car or truck racing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that that hasn't or didn't work out any better than it did. That just That just feels right. I mean, it's West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, he really seemed to enjoy it when he was doing it, but it's very difficult to keep up with a team. I think one of the things that both Jordan and Pitbull have done that's very smart in order to, you know, help sustain their success in the sport is they've got out and gotten drivers as co-owners. You know, Michael Jordan's co-owners, co-owner is Denny Hamlin, and Pitbull's co-owner is a former driver named Justin Marks. They understand the business side of this, right? So... They understand what kind of equipment, 
what kind of technology, what people in the garage area work best to sustain success. So, you know, when cause there was a time too, around that same time that Randy Moss was in the garage area, um, there was a team called Hall of Fame Racing, which was Troy Aikman and a few other people like Roger Stahlback was involved. And you have some initial initial success, right? But sustaining it is what's so difficult. So I think by hiring people that know the garage area very well as their co-owners, or I guess not really hiring, but choosing them, I think gives these two teams a better advantage as far as long-term success in the sport. And I would think that, you know, one of the issues that you run into with that type thing is, those people that put their money into it, like a Michael Jordan or somebody like that, they have a tough time stepping aside and saying, okay, I don't know a whole lot about this, so I'm going to let the people that know, you know, make the decisions. I, I would imagine it's more like it's my money. I'm going to have some input in this. Um, I wonder how that works. Well, you know, it's interesting because we got a chance to talk to every driver in the garage area over the last week or so um, in the run-up to the Daytona 500, and both Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace said they haven't really had a lot of interaction with Jordan as far as the team goes. He's kind of just stepped back and let these guys that know what they're doing do their thing. So, at least in Jordan's um, instance, I don't really know that much about how much Pitbull's been involved in his team, but at least in the instance of Jordan, he, as of right now, is just standing back and letting the people that run the sport and know the sport do their thing. I think Jordan's competitiveness also makes him someone who's going to do whatever it takes to be competitive. So if he, you know, obviously if he doesn't give him, you know, Jordan is this NASCAR team is a, is a brand thing for Jordan. This is not a whole lot more than that for him. I think so. I I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, Heather, uh, Heather Williams from WCYB TV on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, you mentioned Kyle Larson. And I think it's important as we talk about diversity and what uh, the sport is seeing in that realm, Richard Hendrick uh, Motorsports bring him back on uh, the number five team. He qualified 15th in, in, in qualifying. So I'm interested to see how how he gets back into the elite status of NASCAR and it's going to take a little bit of time. I assume for him to maybe get his legs back under him, but is NASCAR, is this a good move for NASCAR to allow him to come back? You, for my opinion, yes. I think that remains to be seen. Um, I think he's done all the right done and said all the right things. He's a really interesting case study because, as I mentioned, Larson came up through the diversity program, right? He's uh, half white and half Japanese and um, really kind of uh, reaped the benefits of NASCAR's push for diversity. So, for me, it was kind of shocking when he gets suspended for using a racial slur, right? Because he's probably one of the last people in the garage that I would expect to say that. Since yeah. that's happened, he's done and said all the right things. He's gone through the diversity. He petitioned to come back to NASCAR. Um, I did an interview with him that's actually going to run today in our newscast. He seems very contrite. He seems like he wants to make it right. He said he didn't know if he was going to get another chance to race a NASCAR. And so from that perspective, it sounds great, but it's talk, right? You have to see what he does. Um, 
I mean, I'd be really surprised if he didn't did anything like that again. But I guess it's just earning back the trust of fans like me mm-hmm. um, that are not white. I guess, for lack of a better description of myself, um, that he actually means it. Yeah, it's a again, like you said. Interesting case study, really uh, going to be something that that we'll all be keeping an eye on. Um, JP, we have a question slash comment from our Facebook uh, broadcast. Do you want to? Can, can you help us out with that? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, you're only going to see part of it, but I'll read it. It's from Adam Hendricks with uh, Heather being from the Bristol area. There has to be some questions about the excitement surrounding the dirt racing at the last great coliseum known as Bristol Motor Speedway, or if she could throw some media tickets yes. since it's sold out. <laughs> really, that's what she's getting to. That's, that's what, what they're getting, getting to. to. All right. So to answer the second question first, <laughs> uh, since the pandemic, there have been no media tickets, so I can't help you out. Mm. I haven't even been able to get my coworkers in uh, to the races. Um, but as soon as the restrictions are lifted i might be able to help you hey. <laughs> um as far as the dirt goes i mean the excite the excitement is just incredible from the drivers from the community nascar community and i've been out to the track a couple of times and seen the transformation it's wild i mean it's really crazy they've been working on this i think two months and it's almost finished and it it barely looks like the same track i mean Obviously, the Coliseum part and the stands and all that looks the same. But when you look at the track, the way that they changed it, the dirt race has a spanking. They've taken out the safer barriers because you don't need them. So the track surface is actually wider than it is for a normal race. It's going to be interesting because we've never run these big, heavy stock cars on dirt, right? Nobody knows how they're going to react or even if it's going to be a good show. I mean, they could just wreck each other all the time because they can't keep them straight. I mean... I don't think that'll happen because we have run trucks on the dirt before, so there is a little bit of a baseline. But who knows? Half these drivers have never run dirt. So it'll be interesting for sure. It'll be fun. It'll be different. I mean, we haven't run a dirt race at NASCAR in almost 50 years uh, on the Cup Series. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I actually can't wait to be out there and uh, and see those cars go around in circles. You know, Heather, you mentioned that you've got a um – interview with Kyle Larson teed up. Um, are you on site or is all, are you doing all zoom work this week or how is that going for, for you and other journalists covering the Super Bowl of racing this week? So they are allowing some access, but, uh, the company that I work for is not allowing us to travel yet. So I'm doing all of my work remotely. Um, I call it, uh, all of the work, none of the fun Daytona. Because I don't get to see the beach, <laughs> and it's cold and icy today, right? So, um, but it's been interesting. I mean, you know, we've gotten just the, the same amount of access as I said over the last week and a half. I've done Zoom calls with every driver in the garage area, um, with uh, several crew chiefs, with several people from NASCAR. So, um, there's a Zoom call tomorrow with the president of NASCAR, Steve Phelps. So, the access has been the same. Um, but it's different. I mean, we all know it's different working remotely and doing things through Zoom. You don't get kind of the, the personal one-on-one that you would normally. But, you know, it's kind of where we are right now. Hopefully by next year's Daytona 500, we'll all be able to go down there. Yes. Let's let's all hope that we will be able to get down there next year uh, in Daytona. 
Heather Williams on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with us today. Heather, thanks so much for your insight and uh, enjoy Speed Week from the comfort of your home, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'll be watching on my couch just like everybody else. Well, stay warm anyway. (laughs) You guys do. I heard you guys got some pretty bad ice. It's not quite as bad up here as I think it is down there. Oh, actually, we just we, missed it. Yeah, I think it, it. Yeah, we just missed it. Knock on wood. So hopefully that oh, will continue good. to be the case. Yeah, but um, <laughs> we appreciate you coming on, Heather Williams with WCYB TV out of Bristol, Tennessee slash Virginia. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Oh man, that was great, and I am really excited about uh, what that dirt race brings Adam Hendricks said that he is calling for Tyler Reddick and Kyle Larson to be the front runners in that one, given their dirt backgrounds. And we all know that it, well, we mentioned last year that if anybody showed up to a a race and Kyle Larson was on the lineup, most of them just went home. Uh, cause dude, dude is a fantastic driver. So I'll be certainly be interested to see how he, uh, how he fares this year. Dale Earnhardt jr mentioned on his podcast that he thought he was going to be a front runner along with teammate Chase Elliott with Hendrick Motorsports. So again, like Heather said, we just have to wait and see and hope that he is his actions back up what he has said and give the guy, I guess, another shot at uh, doing what he does. So, so excited for the, the Daytona 500 coming up this weekend and, um, Nice to have Heather with us for a little bit, and we're going to continue to talk about it tomorrow with Terry, the chicken man, Wilcox, who will be joining us about this time tomorrow. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, Terry has a lot of nicknames around here. He's chicken man. He's T. Willie. He's whatever. Depends on which hat he's wearing at that that's right. uh, the particular moment. I've not heard T. Willie. Oh, that's, that's what Brenna Lynn calls him. Brendan George, oh, George, okay. George Hamilton, the fifth G five. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, so that's, that's the, the music side. Yeah. That calls the, 103, him the 103 side calls him T Willie over here. We, we call him chicken man. He had, man. he had a long running segment on, uh, George's show getting silly with T Willie. He had a joke of the day. Oh, that's so good. We need to get that. Can we get that? I bet he'll come in. I, I, he's probably listening and I bet he can come in. We could have a, um, with an homage to to G five, we can do a getting silly with T Willie while he's on with us tomorrow. All right. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about Mister Miss Basketball nominees, which just came down. So we'll get to that on the other side of the break on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Barn and Joint. Stay tuned. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you.
high school sports. Here's Mo and Chris. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is time to talk. Uh, normally, we don't talk high school sports in the second hour, but uh, you know, we really didn't have an opportunity or a chance to talk about this in the first hour because it just we didn't have it happen. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's breaking that. news. Breaking news. Oh, that's my. Can well, well done. I was about to say, can we just record that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. Um. So yeah. TWSAA just released the Mister and Miss Basketball finalists. If you want to give us those names, Mo. I can give you those names. Um, you can give me those names as well because I just put them in the run of show. Oh, that was nice of you. <laughs> Good because I hadn't seen them. Anyway, I forwarded you the email. I, I don't even check my email. And- well, there you go. Anyway, Division 2A Miss Basketball finalists, um, Olivia Lee from Trinity Christian over in Jackson and a pair from Lakeway Christian, Jordania Ivy and Maggie Vick, former Riverdale coach Randy Kaufman has really gotten that Lakeway Christian program up and running in a hurry. I think this is maybe their third year in um, TWSAA. That if campus that. is still just, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, they they have done it right up there, and clearly two Miss Basketball finalists. In Division AA. you've got Jeloni Cambridge from Ensworth, Carmen Harrison from Hutchison over in Memphis, and Jayla Lee from Brentwood Academy. Um, your class single A Miss Basketball finalists, Madison Hart from Gibson County, Cassie Monday from Clark Range, and Carly Weathers from Loretto. In class double A, your Miss Basketball finalists, Jalen Lynn from Macon County, Jada Harrison from Martin Westview, and Reagan Hurst from Upperman over near Cookville. In class triple A, and this is a little odd. Danae Fritz from Maryville, Acacia Hayes from Riverdale. We just talked about I her was sister. About, I was Anna, about to say, is that, is that yes, her sister? Okay, yes, cool. that's, that's the sister or a sister. Um, Acacia Hayes from Riverdale and Tessa Miller from Stone Memorial. Conspicuous in her absence, Bella Vinson from, uh, from Coffee County. Also, um, having texted with Charles Pulliam and Joe Williams from the Williamson Herald here in the last little bit, Amelia Osgood, the Princeton signee from Brentwood, also not one of those finalists. I mean, you can only have three finalists. You I can get only that. have three. I get that. Um, and of those two, Bella certainly a little confusing. Not a little confusing. It's a lot of confusing. I don't. I don't know how you have a Miss Basketball conversation without her in it. Without Bella Vincent in it, I, I don't either. Um, on the Mister Basketball side in Division Two A, you've got Alex Anderson from Tipton Rosemark, Cameron Jones from Evangelical Christian over in um, the Memphis area, and Christ Presbyterian Academy Junior Braden Moore. That can you know? It wouldn't surprise me if he does not win this this year. But if he doesn't win it next year, there's something dreadfully wrong. That kid is on another level. A six eight three guy. A six eight guy who can shoot the lights out. He can play anywhere. Anywhere. And 
I think he's got an opportunity to play at any level. I really do. I mean, a guy that size, he gets any speed whatsoever, some strength at the next level, which he will get. Mm-hmm. It, he can play. Anywhere. I mean, he's got a Kansas offer. Yep. He uh, and that's hardly the only Power Five offer he has. Anyway, um, Division Two AA, Mister Basketball finalist B.J. Edwards from Knoxville Catholic, Chandler Jackson from Christian Brothers, Trent McNair from Brentwood Academy, who just scored thirty-two the other night. Um, in Class A, Trey Johnson from Cosby up in East Tennessee. Walter Peggs from Madison Academic in Jackson and Grant Strong. Class AA Mr. Basketball finalists, um, Jacoby Gillespie from Greenville, Trey Morrow from Scott, and Taurus Woods from Bolivar Central. Uh, in Class AAA, Mason Miller from Houston, um, the son of former NBA in Florida, standout Mike Miller. Matthew Ooh. Snyder, <laughs> Matthew Snyder from Siegel and Grant Slatton, <laughs> oh, oh, Miss Signee, son of BCAT executive director Bruce Slatton, Grant Slatton, um, kids averaging 36 points a game. And uh, are we going to get a text from Clayton here in a second? I got a feeling we're going to take some plate here in a second. <laughs> that, yeah. Hey, now I know what you were laughing about. Yeah. yeah so, anyway, um, <laughs> congratulations to the 30 Mr. and Miss Basketball Award finalists. Um, still a little bothered that, um, and there it is. <laughs> uh, still a little bothered that Bella Vinson's not on that list, but that's neither here nor there. Um, oh, no, it is here or there. I, I I'm sorry. This is a problem. This is this is like leaving Jackson Campbell off the finalist list for Mr. Football in 6 I, I don't understand this. Somebody please make it make sense. Ain't going to happen. Is it? Okay. They're 24-1, right? Mm-hmm. Overall. They're number two or number three. Number two or three in the state. In the state. Yep. The biggest reason they're 24-1, number two or three in the state, is easily. Number three. Bella Vinson. Yeah. I don't understand it. Now, to be fair, Stone Memorial is fourth, which I did not realize. Um, let's see. Gibson County's number one, right? Or two. In they're single least, A. Yeah, they're at least no, one. No, oh, in, I'm sorry. In triple A. In triple A, Stone County is uh, Stone Memorial is number four, Riverdale is number seven, and Maryville is number ten. So and I each get- of those three are on top 10 teams look and are pretty instrumental i'm sure in their team success if acacia hayes is any anything like her sister i can i certainly see that and yeah. understand that i get it but we're talking about, uh, uh, what what bella vinson does for that team is by being you know six one and able to play the perimeter it allows them to be so much more effective with um, the post player that they do have, whose name escapes me at this point, but she riddled Columbia Central a couple of weeks ago when I was down there. Um, she's just a mismatch, mismatch much problem. like Braden Moore. Sure, yeah, yeah. You could easily call her the female version of Braden Moore for that team, particularly. She probably puts it on the floor a little bit more and a little bit better than he does. But at any rate, it's frustrating. Now, again, not seeing Tessa Miller, not seeing Danae Fritz, 
I've not seen Acacia Hayes. But if they're I have than, seen Bella Vinson. If they're better than Bella Vinson, then more power to them. Then, then, then they got it right. I can't. I don't. I can't imagine all three of them are. Thank you. That's so. the correct answer. I don't. I can't imagine all three of them are. There you go. So, uh, all right. Well. These um, awards will be presented prior to the championship game for each of their respective classes, according to the release that has been distributed by the DWSAA. Um, so, from, tw- from 2005 to 2015, the Mr. and Miss Basketball Awards were presented at the conclusion of each respective championship game as part of the post-game trophy ceremony. Um, over the last little bit, they've presented them after the boys draw in a standalone type ceremony. So we're going back to attaching it to the championship game, apparently. I don't know if that's pandemic related or one less gathering or, or how exactly that's it's working, what the motivation is for that move. I kind of like the way they've done it here lately because it kind of brings a little bit more prestige to it as opposed to, oh, we're playing a championship game, and by the way, we're going to give out the Mr. and Miss Basketball <laughs> during that. You know. uh, interested to see Carly Weathers, who very good basketball player, will be certainly playing at the next level and hopefully in the Southeastern <laughs> Conference. Bless you. Uh, she does have a number of SEC offers currently. Um, so congratulations to to Carly and certainly deserving. I think one reason you see – Carly is certainly the, the straw that stirs that drink down in Loretto, whereas I think Summertown just has a little – has a few more options. They've got a few more options, but and nobody really just stands, stands out. out. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got three or four players averaging between you know twelve and nine points a game, any of whom can go for twenty on any given night. Right. And so you don't necessarily have that one player that goes that that just elevates above the others, and and so it, it's kind of tough to. Pick a Miss Basketball candidate per se off of that team because nobody really stands out. And I think Katie Embry's fine with that. Oh, I think she. I think she. <laughs> I think it's by design. I think she kind of wants it that way. Actually, um, you don't know who to guard on any given night, and if it and if you try to guard one, somebody else will go for twenty. It's just it's impossible. Well, I tell you who I'm going to guard. Well, it's Katie Burdett. Yeah, okay, good luck. <laughs> you're right but i mean that that's who i'm gonna guard and then i'm gonna take my chances with everybody else to be honest i mean um but the thing is i get the ball to her so well mm-hmm. and she's so much taller than most anybody i mean she just turns around and puts it off the glass and we're going the other way yeah and and if you front her they can lob it over because she's mean, six foot one and, and she's got great hands and you know, once she gets it, she's either going to score or get fouled. That's that's who I try to. That's who I try to take away. 
anyway. You can try. But, but yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but oh. they, uh, they, they've certainly got other folks that can make you pay if you do. So they're fun to watch. I'm looking forward to this ball game tonight. I'm really hoping it gets played. Oh, man. All right. We're going to keep hoops talk on the other side of a break. We're going to talk some UT hoops uh, and more. So we'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, right after this. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. 16 minutes to the top of the 11 o'clock hour, we are here with you each and every weekday, 9 to 11 a.m. on WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia. Tuesdays and Thursdays, catch us in Winchester and Franklin County area on WZYX. The Eagle Radio. If you would like to hear the show on those other days and you're down there, uh, check out their website where our podcast is archived on their sports tab. Or you can just call the station and say, hey, I want to hear this yeah, thing five give, days a week. Give, give Amy and uh, a call. Give Al a call and uh, give them a message for, uh, for Chris and say, hey, we want to hear it every day. So there's there, there's that option there as go. well. Uh, I know. Make your voices heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let them know that you want to hear us five days a week if you want to. That'd be fine. And but if not, until that point, you can catch us on Facebook, Facebook Live. You can watch us, uh, see us, our, our our shining faces each and every morning, <laughs> right here in the studio. <laughs> Make comments. Join the conversation, all of those things. You're welcome to do that. We'd love to hear your your thoughts on whatever we're talking about. And we're about to start talking about SEC hoops. Um, JP, did you get that link? Because I'm telling you. The the, um, Johnson giving his uh, breakdown of the dunk. Is that what you're looking for? Because last night, Keon Johnson committed (sighs) felony murder, I'm sure. (laughs) It was insane. Great read by um, John Fulkerson. Fulkerson had a a, a great um, awareness of the court, and Keon Johnson took finished, full advantage. Took full advantage. But what if I told you, Mo? Mm-hmm. We're, we're gonna we're gonna hear from Keon talk mm-hmm. about that dunk. What if I told you 
He says it's not even in his top three. Let's hear what he had to say if uh, about the dunk. A couple impressive wins for the Tennessee team, led by Keon Johnson at Rupp, and then uh, Keon doing it again tonight. Keon, um, all of all nation, and the college basketball world is amazed by your dunk in this game. We're going to play the replay for you while we got you on headset and walk us through what you're thinking when your eyes meet the rim. All right, before you play it, uh, Coach Barnes told us that the there's a play in the game that no one uses anymore, and it's called a give-and-go. <laughs> so I seen Folky down there sitting, so I just had to give it to him, and it just so happened we, we got it accomplished. Hey, Keon, just think back right now in your mind, out of all the dunks you've had in basketball, where does that one rank? Um, I say about... Four or five. Can okay, you, you got to tell two, us about three? the top three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. What's number one? Number one, um, I, I caught the ball like dead corner, drove baseline, and done like a up and under 360 in traffic, kind of put it on the guy's head. Two? Yeah, that. Um, two, I threw it. <laughs> I threw it off the backboard in transition. I was like eighth grade. Threw it off the backboard, and the kid came running in front of me and just punched it on him. <laughs> and number three, uh, number three, uh, just I caught the ball in transition, had the ball in my left hand. I probably took off from like where the E is in the SEC, the close to the charge circle, and just took off on. <laughs> that is uh, that's impressive. I wish we would have seen the first three. You know what else was impressive tonight? Your buddy Jaden Springer, he had 30. Tell us about his game. Well, he most certainly had the hot hand, and once the ball got in his hand, something good was going to happen. So we just kept feeding off of him. This was an impressive win for you guys because Georgia didn't didn't go anywhere. Tell us about where the confidence is with this team off the, the last two games, and now you've won four out of your last five. Um, we're, we're, we're just trying to win out of the SEC um, coming in every day. Uh, we know we got to win. So that's our only goal is just win and get better and con- continue to compete each and every day. Hey, congratulations on a fun game. The dunk was fantastic. We hope to see more of those in the very near future. Thanks, bud. Thank you. There you have it. Not in this top three. Now, that, that first one sounds like a an absolute just – and up and under 360. Up and under on top of the guy. And, yeah, okay, I can see that being way better than this one. But I don't know about the other two. The other two don't sound like they were nearly as cool. What Can you recall the best dunk you've ever seen at the high school level? I can't. I can't off the top of my head. I'd have to give that some thought. But I tell you, I, I wanted to see this guy play, and he – um. He tweaked his knee his senior year over at Webb and um, didn't get to see him against Columbia Academy. I was looking forward to that game, and um, I think he may have gotten one against CA over at Webb um, his senior year. I don't know if it was one of those three that he mentioned. but um, Definitely wasn't three because that was the SEC. Well, yeah. And And one was in eighth grade, in eighth grade. But um, this guy, <laughs> he 
I enjoyed listening to him for one thing. I just great conversation there, great interview. Um, but what he's done this last couple of games, um, I don't know if you saw the dunk from from the left wing Saturday night against Kentucky. It wasn't it wasn't as impressive as last night, but it was pretty nice as well. And it came in a um at a pretty opportune time because they were starting to kind of take control of that thing after trailing by ten against Kentucky up at Rupp. Um, you know, watching him and Springer, they they are both pretty special dudes. And to do what they're doing as freshmen in this league is is really impressive. I, I, I like what he said. Uh, you know, Coach Barnes told us about this old school play that nobody <laughs> uses anymore. The give and go. The give and go. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It, it's good to see some – Young, really talented players kind of harken back to some uh, traditional fundamental, fundamental. plays. Mm-hmm. And when you add the um, – because, you know, the athleticism, it, it happens as we grow uh, as a as a society. You know, the athletes today are more athletic than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. 20 years from now, they'll be more athletic than they are today. But the fundamentals are still the fundamentals, and to see – these guys accept those um, is a beautiful thing to watch. When you add that Mixing athleticism, yes, combining the two makes it such a beautiful game to watch. And that was a beautiful play. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, I actually Vince Carter esque. I'm sorry it to interrupt, was. but but uh, you know, watching it here and um, you know, it's like he kept rising, kept rising. <laughs> It was very Vince Carter-esque. Mm-hmm. So this particular dunk is very similar to the most impressive dunk I've ever seen in, at the high school level. Mm-hmm. I saw a. the only difference is that the guy he dunked on was a 6'6", D1, two-time All-State player. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it was at, coming off the off the right wing, he, I promise you, when I say his arm went parallel backwards and then came all the way over the top, it's exactly what happened. His head was at rim level when he dunked that. It was a new definition to the windmill, right? It was, yeah. it was completely, uh, you know, from, from one end of the protractor to the other. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and what's funny is usually you just see guys cock it back at the elbow. When they're no. when they're getting that full extension like that, it's you you get sounds like they must have the the rim. The, mic'd. They have the backboards mic. Yes. Oh yeah, jeez, it was insane. Just to hear it mm-hmm. is impressive. And we heard it three times in that. Interview. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was very similar. So I, I mean, anytime you see a dunk like that, it's 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 special. Uh, Tennessee was up forty, was up twenty points, eighteen points at halftime, and only won by eight. Not something you really like, especially when you get up fifty-five points and a half. Yeah, I can't uh, imagine. Ideal. I can't imagine Rick Barnes was real pleased with that second half performance. They turned it over a lot. Georgia turned up the heat in the second half, and and Tennessee didn't handle the ball especially well coming down the stretch. And I'm sure that that's something that they will want to clean up before they go to Baton Rouge. On yes. Saturday, uh, Alabama got back on track with a close one at, uh, at South Carolina. 
it says it was out in South Carolina, but the video is from uh, <laughs> from Coleman Coliseum. Coleman <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know which one is which. This says Alabama at South Carolina, eighty one seventy eight. Uh, that was, but the, but the video is from but Tuscaloosa. The video is from Tuscaloosa. So I, <laughs> Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, Chris. Come on. Well, so here's the thing. I, I say that South Carolina wearing black uniforms, Alabama wearing white, but the guy in the front row uh, cardboard cutout is wearing a Gamecock C with the Gamecock logo. So I guess they just wore black at home. Oh, okay. That is, we got two I mean, if, things. That, if you that, could see, if you could see the floor, you would you would be able to tell because Coleman Coliseum has a pretty distinctive look. Yeah, I mean, but I can't. So yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate. That being said, they get back on track after a win uh, or a loss at Missouri. They get Georgia at home mm, this weekend, and after Georgia came so close last night against Tennessee, they're going to be. And they're they're fighting for us. Uh, they're fighting for an at large bid right now. I mean, they need yeah. to beat Alabama, A and M, you know, et cetera. They they need to get those wins. So this would be a nice little scout for them too, with Alabama leading the conference, the clear cut conference leader at eleven and one over uh, eleven and one in conference, sixteen and five overall. So. Right, and right now there are five teams with four losses in conference play, including Tennessee. <sighs> Uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, and Florida all have four losses. Missouri and Florida have six wins. So, LSU also with four losses. It's a yeah, yeah. it's a big jumbled mess after Alabama, uh, and they will play. From what we understand, at Bridgestone Arena, they're going to play this conference tournament at Bridgestone. As of now, I didn't realize that was ever in question. I heard that announcement a couple of days ago, and I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, with everybody kind of doing home site things and trying to keep trying to keep as as many people as far as far apart as possible, mm-hmm. I I guess I understand it. I mean, you just schedule the games farther apart, right? It'll be interesting to see whether they make you leave and come back in, or or how that's going to work, or if they're going to. Well, I mean, if you've I, got I mean, a teams. conference, yeah. I, I'm not sure they'll have fans. I, I'm thinking um, teams. They, you know, Nashville has dictated, you know, a lot of what the Titans did, a lot of what Vanderbilt does. Vanderbilt, I watched the other night, they didn't have any fans. They well, had no fans. Well, the Preds have, what, 20% capacity right now? It's limited on much, yeah. yeah. So I, I think there will be some fans there. but Can't my, be much, though. Right? No, it, it won't be many. And if it were me, I would, I would designate it has to be 25th row and above. Oh, it it will be. Yeah, they'll they won't, won't have anybody close anywhere near the floor. No, and then you've got you schedule the games far enough apart where you know teams can be out of the locker room, gone, and of course there are four locker rooms. Yeah, yes, so, they have enough locker rooms, but you don't want them even in the. I mean, you want you want the teams gone before the other ones even come in. If if it's me, I don't know that that's how it's going to play out, but. I think typically there's enough time in between games. Um, keep well, you in mind, either want T- them gone or you want them getting in right. while the other game is going on so that there's no interaction. You could do it that way, way as well. And, and that's, prob- that's probably how it kind of happens now anyway. But uh, there, there's enough time in between. And TV, keep in mind, TV will dictate the timing of these games. Sure. Well, hopefully that there's there's going to be some input you know, between TV and, and the league so that – like Chris said, I, th- you can I keep think it'll. Yeah, I think the apart. the ingress and the egress, mm-hmm. the you know coming in and going out, 
um, is probably where they for the the participants uh, is where they'll have to pay the most attention to. But I think timing of the games, I think that'll be fine. Yeah, I think that'll be okay. Well, I'm going to defer to you on that because you've dealt with a lot more than I have. Um, Right. Women's basketball in the Southeastern Conference tonight. You've got um, Tennessee visiting Kentucky. That's a 6 o'clock start. Missouri goes to South Carolina. Florida is at LSU. Auburn's at Georgia. Ole Miss goes to Alabama. Um, Vanderbilt's game against visiting Texas A&M has been canceled for Numerous reasons. Mississippi State goes to Arkansas. That's an 8 o'clock start. There you have it. That is your women's basketball schedule for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, right here on WKOM Friday edition. So check us out at 9 o'clock. If you missed any part of today's show, find the podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, just search sm-tnsports.com. Find us on Facebook. And on Twitter at SM underscore TN Sports. We'd love to hang out with you there as well. Uh, check back SM-TNSports.com for full coverage of tonight's basketball games. For Maurice Patton, JP Plant, I'm Chris Yao saying have a great day and stay cool, Columbia. <laughs>